0: Man, I'm going to prepare to turn this over to Brother Goff, but I want to say what a privilege it has been to serve in the year 2020 with Brother Goff and Sister Goff and their precious family. They're such good folks. I love and appreciate Brother Goff and his ministry and what he has done so far Amen, for the Truth Church. And I'm looking forward to what God is going to do through him in this service tonight. I mean, can we all say it together? What Pastor normally asks us to say Amen. And that is, Brother Goff, preach to me. Can we all say that together? Brother Goff, preach to me. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. It's such an honor and a privilege to be in God's house today. and be able to worship Him. And to be able to come together with like-minded, precious folks. That God has called out of a life of sin and are proud of it. God has given a testimony and giving us the opportunity today to be able to worship him. This is our second service today. You know what I do not as our bodies and our flesh get weary with doing things and tasks, but my spirit I need the house of God. When I'm not here, I can tell and I really enjoy being in the house of God. It is, uh, it's my life. It's been coming to church for over 41 years. It is my life. And I want nothing more than church to be a part of my life. Now, I've not done this as long as others. Um, but I do strive, even though that great goal does lie ahead of me. Many others have been here. Many, 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 many years longer. Um, but I at least have a mentor that can tell me 60, 70 years are worth it. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. We do want to remember the prayer requests. Uh, we want God to do a work in our church family. And we miss each and every one that is not here tonight. And I was joking with uh, Brother Hilton. I said, This is Home Mission Sunday. Even them, this is revival. There's a, we've got people here, we've got hungry hearts, we've got those listening online. God wants to do a work in this house. It's not a time to hunker down behind a pew. It's not a time to wait till, wait if we can get out before this closes, or I have this to get done, or Monday i got to go to work. It's time for us to forget about all those things. All those inboxes that we're just knowing that countless emails or tasks or bosses or whatever lies ahead of us this week, forget about it. Your focus is on this service. I believe God wants to do something in this house. He wants to touch us each and every one. Amen, amen. I do appreciate the honor and the privilege that Pastor has given to me to be able to stand behind this sacred desk. I do not count it as something I feel like I'm owed or something that I feel like I deserve in any fashion, but it is a privilege and honor to be able to come and be able to talk to God's people, God's people. You are God's chosen people. Amen, amen. What a privilege we have. I would like for us to turn, if we could, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We'll be reading through four verses of Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1. Amen, amen. It says in verse 1, says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain, for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures." Amen. If we can lay our Bibles down, let's ask God to touch us, open our hearts and our minds to Him this evening. Heavenly Father. I love you, Holy Savior. Let's worship him. Let's thank him. We magnify your name, God. Your word is forever settled in heaven, God. And we are here, God, to magnify you and lift you up tonight. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. If you'll preach with me, you may be seated. Amen. Amen. If you don't, I may go back there and preach with you. It's, I'll leave it at, I'll let you guys do the first move. Amen. In our text, we talk about the Gospels referred to in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And this is the Gospel message that Paul was referring to is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And some may be confused as to why something so important Was not written down by Jesus Christ himself to avoid any confusion. Why did he not pen letters and write books here, his time here on earth? And however, I will state from the beginning that he did, and just not the way that we think he should have. And I'm so glad that he did it his way and not the way that I would prefer through the written text of his holy scriptures. I really appreciate the way God laid out. I don't have to have Him standing in front of me, but I have the witness of His Word, His Word given to us. First, we will take a look at why the Apostle Paul was writing to the church of Corinth in order to have a deeper understanding of the context of the Scripture. The writing was in a response to a letter that was written by the church at Corinth and delivered unto the Apostle Paul for him to provide direction for a church that had been recently established. And Paul hearkens them back to the establishment of the church at Corinth, and what he taught them by stating a message of resurrection Christ is not a new teaching, as he's mentioned in verses 3 through 4. The resurrection was not only taught as a doctrine, and by that I mean carrying the same weight of every other religion or philosophy. The resurrection was taught as fact. The apostles presented the resurrection as their testimony, of being able to take the listeners, saying, I went to the empty tomb. I am a first hand witness. And while Paul may not have been an original apostle who visited the tomb, he did testify to the fact that he was visited by Jesus in his conversion. So we have witnesses saying, listen, this is the word of God. I was there, I was taught, I heard, and they then transcribed it back to the listeners. And there was contention among the church, imagine that, when some were saying there was hierarchy among them based upon to whom they ascribe their own personal beliefs. And Paul, the apostle Paul, took exception to their approach. And called them out for their shallowness and explained that Jesus Christ was not divided. It was only unto his baptism that there was any salvation. He made it very clear. You can read down in verse 10 says, Now I beseech you, I'm sorry, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 says, Now I beseech ye, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that, are, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. And is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And on the heels of his opening statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul immediately jumps to the point that was causing contention in the church. He did not beat around the bush. He did not say, well, I hope the weather's there great. I hope you're having a wonderful time. I hope the year has been wonderful for you. He jumps in and addresses the meat of the matter is you have division in the church and it ought not be his response is a, from the letter that they had written to him about all of their conversations and all their questions that they have we find that in verses 10 and 11 it shows the church is divided by whom they were baptized and he in verse 10 says that you speak the same thing meaning that you hold the same doctrine he's wanting them to to believe only in one method of baptism. And Paul reaffirms the method by which God had intended for the gospel to be shared and executed in the new newborn church, and it was taught and placed in the hands of others to learn and administer this gospel message. And this is shown in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 14. He says, I thank God that I baptized none of you, but Crispus and Gaius, we find that those two people are interesting because it says in Acts chapter 18 and verse 8, and Crispus, it tells us who he is. He's the chief ruler of the synagogue, and Gaius resided at Corinth, and he was at his house. Paul was at Gaius' house when he wrote the epistle to the Romans. It says in Romans chapter 16 and verse 23, it says, and Gaius my host, we find that he referenced two very important people. It doesn't mean that you have to be the Apostle Paul, but you still have to be willing to be used. Now, you may have thought, well, all he did was host Paul and say, you can have a bedroom. But it sounds like these gentlemen didn't just do what everybody else would have thought. Well, I've done my part. I gave them a portion of my house I gave them something that cost me my house. I had my family sleep on the floor in another room. I gave it to the man of God so he could then have provision. But they found that the power of the word of God was more than that. It was more than just saying, oh, I did a little bit in the kingdom. It turns out they start baptizing people. That is the side effect of forgetting everything. Like Brother Hilton said this morning, where he becomes the sole focus, and it's all about him. You will have side effects in the kingdom of God that impact you when you say, I could care less about everything else and how it means to me, and I'm not being influenced by this world and and the impacts into my personal life, but when I can lay all that down, next thing you know, You'll be standing over here witnessing, praying people through the Holy Ghost, teaching Bible studies, baptizing folks if you're in the ministry, reaching down into Sunday school rooms and changing people's lives. It's not just about giving a little bit to soothe your conscience. Come stay here in this house, man of God. It's no, I believe this message, and I'm going to let it change me, and I'm going to do more. You don't hear these men talked about too much. Just a couple references in Scripture. But if you apply what he said, the Apostle Paul says, these are the men that baptized the church. These are the men. The Apostle Paul says, I thank God that I baptized none of you. Not trying to read into the Scripture too much, but it's because he had men that sold their life out that were available that says, you need to be baptized I'll baptize somebody. It shouldn't be within our heart when we see something moving and shaking, we see a need within the body, and we say, oh, it looks like they've got it covered. you prepared a little room. You come sit on a pew, and you make a place in the house of God. Count yourself among the elect. I'm here tonight. Put me on the roster. But God called Crispus and Gaius and said, listen, there's something more you can do. Now, Crispus may have been the chief ruler of the synagogue, but he also stepped up and says, well, I'm just a teacher. He didn't do that. He got down the water, and he baptized. Gaius could have said, I'm just a man of wealth. Don't know if he was or not, but he had a possession of a house and an estate. Paul, you can come stay with me. I have room. I have room. I'm Blessed of God, I have room. And we check that off and say, oh, well, that's great. That's great. But Paul says it's so much more. But these men, baptized. Paul is showing the Corinthian church that this gospel is not of Apostle Paul's own creation. And as a matter of fact, he drives that home in our text. He says, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, in verse 2, a portion of that, he says in verse 3, For I delivered unto you the first of all that which also, which I also received. He says if you keep in memory, he's telling us what he had been delivered to him. In Galatians chapter 1 in verse 11 and 12, he says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not of man. For neither I received it of man, neither was I taught it but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. This method by which the gospel message has been shared leads us to the method that was established in the Old Testament and was executed in the New Testament to break the message out of the hands of those in position and transcribe the word of God on the hearts of mankind. And that's what we're going to focus on tonight. And we'll look in the Old Testament If you'll turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 12, we'll read a few verses of Scripture. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 26. We'll see that the Old Testament families were commanded to ensure the stories of what God had done would never die and would be preserved and handed down to each generation. The instructions during the Passover were that the children of Israel to make sacrifices and then eat of the sacrifice in a very prescribed manner. And this detail was important because God had given to them that details matter to him and that words, Brother Chad, meant something to the ears of God. They meant something. It wasn't just ceremony. It was very important. God spoke to Moses, and Moses instructed the Israelites to perform the ceremony, the Passover, and then provided a commandment to the children of their household. In Exodus chapter 12 and 26, And it shall come to pass when your children shall, shall say unto you, What mean ye by this service? That ye shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passes who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. And the people bowed their head and worshiped. And the children of Israel went away as to the Lord had commanded Moses... And Aaron, so did they. The answer was not to entertain them. This was not a story time with Uncle Remus to sit around the fireplace and hear the stories of the times gone past. And children gather around and say, tell me a story and let's spend the evening telling stories. But this had a critical role in what they had been called to. It served a vital purpose to ensure that there was respect for God. Always upon their heart. We find that, you can read in Exodus chapter 13 and verse 8 on your own time. They were to remember the firstborn sons lived because there was a lamb sacrificed that died for them. It laid and established a groundwork for what was to come. The sacrifice was made after the house was swept and clean, and every source of leaven was removed from the house before the Passover. That means every speck of leaven was removed. The entire house was clean so that it would not corrupt the Passover ceremony. That seems kind of extreme. Well, what did God say? He said, clean the house. So they took him, had his word, I'll clean the house. It amazes me what our flesh will allow us to settle for when we come to the house of God, just being okay. God's calling for a sacrifice, and we're satisfied with okay. We have the Word of God being delivered, as we've heard such beautiful messages leading up to this point. And we hear the Word of God delivered to our hearts, pushing and prompting. And a little bit 11 says it'll be all right. What difference would it make? The difference is what this represents because it will allow sin or corruption to remain in the life, but it also taints the story, the story that will then be prescribed to be told. If you will let sin in the house, it devalues the story of them saying, God took care of us because there's something present That should not be. Sometimes we devalue our testimony and say, no one wants to hear what I have to say. Why? Why? We can't say, oh, well, it's not as powerful as brother so-and-so's or sister so-and-so's. Or I'm just not that type of person to go out and give my testimony. You will learn by the end of this message tonight, hopefully, That God wants you to use your testimony. It is the story that you've been commanded to be able to tell, Brother Josh. That is what God did for you. Here's what I find important. You cannot strip Christ away from the image of the church to make it more smooth, more appealing, or make it more palatable for the world. The moment you do, you leave specks of leaven in the house And you're stripping up a story and you're making it the Reader's Digest version so more people will read it. The problem is they don't get the whole story. They don't understand all of the context because so many things have to be removed. When you say, I'll just let you come in and sit on a pew and then accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior where you're at. Or, you know what, even that's too much why don't you just sign a card, drop it off on of one of your ushers, and we'll count you among our family now and can consider you a member of the church. Or you can say, well, we don't want anything on our website, our church sign, our church cards, anything within our Bible study, our messages, anything within our Sunday school that prompts them to say, I'm lost. And we begin to strip away from the story, just like those that said, Well, we've been told by Moses, who supposedly heard from God to tell this story, but it's not really important. But no, that's not what God said. The Passover eventually gave way to the Lamb of God. That was the ultimate sacrifice to wash away the sins of the entire world. What a victory we have in Jesus Christ, Brother Hilton. What a victory we can hold to What's something we can cleave to knowing that God has given us something and established a work within our life. So building upon the sharing of tradition through the spoken word from generation to generation, the writer of Psalms chapter 44 says it best. He says, we have heard with our ears of God. Our fathers have told us what work thou didst in their days in the times of old. Initially, the message was not documented in the customary manner of a scribe writing the word of God on a piece of parchment. But the message of God and his ability to deliver the children of Israel was written upon their heart and shared from generation to generation. The New Testament Passover falls in line with the tradition that God had established. And there is a requirement for it to be shared with everyone. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 15, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. The lesson to learn is that God established a method by which history and teachings were to be shared. It was established not only for the sake of preservation, but so that he could introduce the fulfillment of, of the prophecy from the Old Testament teaching that had been propagated through the Jewish culture. And when the time was perfect, he stepped on the scene and dropped into the stream of history as a newborn baby boy. That was how he chose to open up that remnant of time and step in and says, and stood in me coming with a host of angels and screaming upon the face of the earth and creating such chaos and making people come worship me when they didn't have a choice and forcing them to do something against their will. He came as the most innocent lamb that there was. A newborn baby. What a perfect plan. When he could have done so much more. The grander of it all. Because the whole universe was his stage. But instead, he says, I'm going to go as a baby. You know why? Because the Old Testament prophecies said he was. They were told of old and passed on, written down, and they were documented. Put within the scrolls manuscripts written down and shared and began to be taught within the synagogues and taught within the homes and and taught within everybody who would hear the word of god there's somebody coming the messiah is coming it was at the time prophecies it was at that time prophecies were fulfilled and Things began to click and shift, and the flow of history was no longer no longer hitting against the gate of a prophecy not being fulfilled, but the door opened up, and Jesus Christ himself, the Messiah, came and fulfilled the promise that was given of times old and prophesied by all those of the patriarchs and all of those the prophets of old begin to tell there is a Messiah coming, and it was fulfilled. When Jesus Christ came down here on earth, we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I'm sorry, chapter 15, we find that Paul begins to provide a witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He begins to name folks. Now, you've got to understand the setting. Jesus... to cephas and you can find where peter himself was referenced in first corinthians chapter 15 it says the 12 apostles were also named it goes down and talks about a large group of 500 brethren some have passed and but many were still alive to this day so we find peter is calling upon the witness Of the resurrection of Jesus Christ because he says Cephas seen it the 12 Apostles seen it 500 brethren seen it James and the Apostle Paul I seen it Acts chapter 19 he references that Jesus I seen them after the resurrection it was the power of the witness and we are a witness for his purpose Paul was establishing the fact that Jesus Christ was resurrected and that he made there plenty of witnesses to speak of the fact of the grave that was empty. We don't often think about this. We look at the end of some of the Gospels and we see where they have just received the message of go and tarry in Jerusalem and tarry until you be endued with power from on high. Then we see Jesus ascending up and we think of it as just a small group of apostles. But Peter says, after the resurrection, there were hundreds of witnesses. Hundreds of witnesses that seen and heard. They know the power of Jesus Christ. He was establishing the fact that Jesus was resurrected and no longer in an empty grave. He was telling them without a shadow of a doubt that they were going to be able to see this and accept this. This was not something that they could say, well, I'm baptized by this man, and I'm baptized by that man. We find that Paul begins begins to give them the explicit word of God and lay out the count of witnesses of everyone who had seen it and letting them know this was by design. All throughout history of the ministry of Jesus Christ, the word spoken by Jesus... Were heard by his apostles and heard by, and we find that actually some of the apostles begin to pim the words that they had heard, the four gospels we see pim to ensure that the following church age would have a record of that great and wonderful act of Jesus Christ and everything that he did, as well as a clearly defined plan of salvation. Clear. It wasn't Jesus that He they were told to here, take this pamphlet. Jesus, the resurrected Savior, he wrote this. You read this and find salvation. He didn't do that. Because we find in Luke chapter 24, 47 through 49, we find the repentance and remission of sins and the promise of the Father was given to them after they had a revelation. You see that Jesus had the perfect opportunity and say, gather around just like a president or a world leader gets down. They begin to sign these edicts and these laws and these commands and executive orders. And they turn around and say, under my authority, this is what I want you to do. And they had this and they hold it. But these men of God heard it on their ears and commanded on the words of Jesus Christ That all would have repentance, remission of sins, and the promise of the Father. It was not a book that they opened that Jesus said, here you go. I'm going to believe it here shortly. But he wrote it on the tables of their hearts. The source of the doctrine by which the apostolic church is founded is traced directly To the witnesses that observe the crucifixion, the empty tomb, and the resurrected Christ, and the power of Pentecost. That is our host of witnesses that we can stand here confidently and say we go back to the very source of the matter first hand witnesses. And we sit here with the Word of God, and we are witnesses for His purpose. We are witnesses for God's purpose. Not for our own agendas and not for our own purposes. When Jesus spoke the words, his followers were the ones that put them into action. Whether it be salvation or healing, the apostles and the disciples were instructed by Jesus to perform the very acts that he had told them to. We find that Jesus made it very clear to them. You don't find a question and answer session at the end of Jesus when he's talking to them. We don't find them sitting around saying, Now, Jesus, is this what you really meant? We don't find that. They went and they did it. They were not instructed to go around and read a letter that Jesus had written to convince them to forsake this world and believe on him as the scripture has said. No, it was the divinely inspired word of God. That was God in flesh dwelling among them that provoked them to walk away from all their worldly vices and pursue after Jesus Christ. That is the power of the word of God. The power of the witness that each and every one of us carry with us. You don't have to stand behind a pulpit and have a microphone in your hand for this power, this power to be endued upon the situation you stand in. You don't have to be standing in front of thousands of folks, pulling out Scripture after Scripture, preaching true to them, but you can sit down across from someone at a restaurant, at their house, in their car, at the desk at work, and tell them this is what the Scripture says, and begin to unfold the very Word of God before Him, and you have the very same power. The Word of God is not held back for, oh, only those elect god is saying i'm commanding you go ye therefore he didn't say some of you i want to go here some of you i want to go there he says go do it here's the word here's what how i want you to do it here's the word i want you to preach it's no other way it was the divinely inspired word of god we find without the death burial and resurrection There was no gospel message to preach. It is the only source of power. And it was more than just a story. But it was written upon the tables of their hearts. So much so... But you can find Paul and Silas didn't pull out a little pocket Old Testament out of their out of their robe in the middle of a prison and begin to read the scriptures no it was deep within their heart. it was deep within their heart they began to quote the verses of Scripture they begin to sing and praise and the glory of God came down they didn't have a big desk in front of them with a family Bible turning page after page and weeping over them but it was deep within their heart when they had Everything stripped away and sitting in a rotten prison, chained and, and beat upon them. They begin to sing about the midnight hour and things begin to change because what was on their heart became life. And if you're miserable today, I ask you look upon the tables of your heart. Do you have the power of the witness of truth or do you just know about it? Do you have the power of the death, burial, and the resurrection? Not just at one point in time, but still working in your life. Because this is not a one-time event as we've known for year after year and message after message. It is the only true source of power. There is more to the story. We find in Luke chapter 24, it's written about in Jesus' last days here on earth. The apostles obeyed him without question when they journeyed to Jerusalem and waited for the promise of the Father to come in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. The fulfillment of the promise was made in Acts chapter 2 in the gospel message was preserved in a manner that no man can remove from the heart of the believer they had a one god jesus name experience happen in their life and they begin to ask what meaneth ye of the scriptures what must i do to be saved and the power of the word of god came upon them and he preached the word of god and it changed them forever not that they could never fail but they now knew what pure truth will do tradition will have you just believe what men thinks you need to believe now you could oh man i could go down so many rabbit trails of what we've seen with tradition but we have some of the very same ones in an apostolic church church service has to go this way we may not have a pamphlet at the back but bless god if they do something out of order oh my word what, what are they doing? What is Brother Hilton thinking he's doing by reading a scripture before we have our first song? What does he think he's doing if we preach before we have any songs? And you, we just get in this tailspin because we think everything has to go this way. I can only open my heart after I've made it this far into a service. Well, maybe, just maybe, I'll throw myself out there as well. Maybe we should be prayed through. So when we walk into the house of God, we're ready. What if the word is ready to strike while the iron is hot and there's a sinner sitting on the pew and you're sitting there saying, oh, I didn't even get to sing a song and he's preaching. What are we going to do now? But you look over and you got a sinner with tears pouring down their face. We are a witness for his purpose. We understand to stand and say, I don't need everything that has to be in every service. doesn't have to be the same. Oh my goodness, we're starting at 8 o'clock and not 7.30. Or Tuesday, we're always starting at 7.30 and prayer at 7. What am I going to do? I'm just not even going to go. It's not even worth my time. We are a witness for His purpose. And when those thoughts go through our head, curse them in the name of Jesus. But when they take root, It's because you've let something slip in and say, oh, I want it my way. How about let's do it God's way? Because we have a book of history that proves that God's way works. His way is forever settled in heaven. My way is fickle. Depends on how my morning starts. Did I get a chance to pray? Did I get a chance to read the Bible? Because to some people, they think coffee is the only thing that starts their day off right. But I can tell you, if I don't take the time and discipline myself and get down on my knees and pray until I touch God my day is upside down until I hear the word of God pierce my heart begin to reach down and change me my day is upside down and you may wonder well why is my day's always so rough always seem like I'm so needy you know what you're feeding It's the flesh the flesh is needy the flesh needs attention the flesh needs gratification the flesh needs it their way but the spirit says lay everything aside and do it my way my load is heavy but let me tell you what I've got an arm that can reach around and lift that burden off your shoulders and you won't even think about it because when you're reading the Bible you forget about I have no money in the bank because he says I'll supply all your needs I own the cattle on a thousand hills and you forget about those bills. You forget about the letter he received or the email, the text, or the situation at work. Or You forget about the weight that is so heavy on your shoulders when you become a witness for his purpose. Because instead of complaining about what's going wrong in your life, you tell everybody about what's going right in the church. It's the power of the word of God that is forever present with us. We as believers are full of the Holy Ghost and His promise lives within us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16, and What agreeeth, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As Christ, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God. And they shall be my people. My people. He's telling us, listen, I'm going to change their life. I'm going to dwell in them. As much as I love coming to the house of God, it's because he dwells in me that pulls me here. I hope to God I never have to have pastor call me and say, Brother Goff, why weren't you at church tonight? One, I hope I do my part as a saint and call and tell him or text him or give him a notification why I'm not there, but I don't want him to ever wonder, why is the Goff family not here? That's odd. Something must be wrong because when God dwells in you, there's a path you're beaten to the house of God. You can't get there quick enough because things happen. You know what happens? My children got the Holy Ghost in the house of God. My children were baptized in the house of God. I was married in the house of God. My sins were washed away in the house of God. I've had message after message preached to me in the house of God. Now I can listen to messages online, but it's so much different when the man of God can step off the pulpit by the platform and reach down and lay his hand on me and minister to me and whisper the word of God into my ear and hope restores within my life and I can say I can be a witness for his purpose. I don't have to dwell upon the negativity. What's my job? What's my health? And what's going wrong in my life? Because God just touched me in the house of God. It's by design. It's by design. God orchestrated this, Brother Jerome, that the preservation of his word would be through the hearts of men. Because there's been time through history when they did not have this. And there may be times ahead of us where we may not have access to a book, to a giant repository of thousands of messages of apostolic preachers to preach to us. There may be a time on the horizon where you may have to get up in the morning and say, God, I don't know what's going on in this world around me, but I need you to touch me today. I don't have a preacher I can call. We may not have means or capability at this time to be able to have online services. What happens if all of that goes away and you're left alone sitting with your family, just like Chinese people are down there in their basements, worshiping God against the government orders? Who's to say that can't happen to us? Not trying to put fear, but I'm trying to be realistic. Because God prepared us for those moments. God prepares us. That's why when you witness and you say, Oh, I don't know the Word of God, I can never teach a Bible study. I can't memorize Scripture. I'm right in that boat. It's very difficult and I try to memorize, and there's some that I have and I have it down, but I can tell you when I throw myself out there, when I say I'm teaching a Bible study and I don't care. The many times, and my family can witness to it, that we've sat down at a library or a restaurant or at a church in a fellowship hall and we sit down and begin to teach the Word of God, that Scripture begins to flow and Scripture after Scripture and verses because I've had countless messages preached and read the Bible and heard the verses preached and read to me and studied them. I may not be able to remember them, but my heart knows them. As truth within my heart, I know them. And they begin to spring forth when the anointing flows. And verses begin to come together when they, when I was like, I can't even quote that verse. I can't even tell you where it's at. But God's anointing settles down and it'll reach down and touch this person in the room. And they'll say, well, what about this scripture? And it all begins to move and flow because we are a witness for his purpose. It is by his design god orchestrated this this was to ensure that regardless of whatever oppression would come before he came and gathered his church unto him the word of god would be proclaimed to all generations can we stand today where the musicians come in second corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3 it says for as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us. Written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. I could only use myself as an example, because people tend to get all bent out of shape when you get too much in their corn crib. But pity me that I can remember so much about my job that I can't remember verses of Scripture. Shame on me that I can remember thousands of acronyms. I could see it on a schematic. Look at it. Oh, that's what that means. That's that brake controller. This circuit. This. I've seen it for so many years. How is it that I can memorize so many things that are complex, but then when I open the Word of God, I may not remember this verse of Scripture. It's like Brother Hilton. You mentioned something. Romans, chapter 6, I think it was, chapter 1. I should remember that it's a common verse of scripture I should know that I shouldn't have to have my notes in front of me but you know what when I say God just live in me and I'm gonna apply myself and read your word and I'm gonna read it and I'm gonna read it and I'm gonna apply it to my heart I don't sit there and say oh well I I have to have this chapter memorized and this chapter and this chapter God just says Let it live within your heart. Just as it talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, there was a witness that was created. And Jesus made made sure that there were hundreds of people that knew he lived. So when one man of God could get up and preach the word of God to one church at Corinthians, at Corinth, And begin to preach the Word of God he would call upon the power of the witness and say there's a host of people that's seen it stop getting your mind and your heart derailed and off on the bushes and going down this path he lives and we're baptized in his name the Ten Commandments are written by the finger of God in Exodus but the Holy Ghost lives within the heart of the believer all because the death of burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and through the crucifixion we find the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ all have access to, to blood to wash away our sins in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 6 it says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ the gospel what is the gospel it's the death the burial and the resurrection he wrote it upon our hearts so we can share so we can be a witness we are not bound to the law of the sacrifice of animals the redemptive plan was fulfilled through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ as that spotless lamb the one who knew no sin was sacrificed for the sins of the entire world. The life that we live through Jesus Christ is not our own because he gave of himself so that mankind would never have to repay that debt of sin. It's just surrender. Just surrender. While Jesus instructed his followers to obey his word, there was one thing they could not do. Sacrifice their lives for the sins of the world. We find the sacrificial act of Calvary was not meant for Jesus Christ. No one else could take his place. It was meant for Jesus Christ. No one else could take his place. And we are to emulate that death of Jesus Christ through the plan of salvation. Church, we have a great destination in front of us. God has opened that door that effectual work to be in our midst we are buried with him in baptism into death that like as christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the father even so we also should walk in newness of life it is through this plan that men can take the message and ensure the witness of gospel lives in the hearts Of mankind we know the Great Commission we can quote it from Matthew 28 you can read verses 16 through 20 and instructs the disciples to teach all nations of the salvation found through Jesus Christ it is the promise that he will be with the disciples and with any who obey the Great Commission and we can share this gospel message we are that witness that voice by which all men should hear the precious gospel. The next time that we see Jesus, He will present Himself to confirm His witness. We are to obey and follow what was established in the Word of God. He showed Himself to men so that the gospel message would have fact and truth behind it so we can believe it in our day and age. But there will be no do-over. The next time Jesus shows up, he's going to confirm the power of his witness in your life. When he splits that eastern sky and he calls us home, just as a song we sang earlier, I just want to see Jesus. If that's not the anthem of your heart, if you say, well, I would like to get this done first and I'm not quite ready and this isn't right and I would like to accomplish this first, you need to pray. Will you be among the counted when He reveals Himself to us once again, when He gathers His church together, and brings us to the reward that he has prepared for us. Will you be among the counted? Are you willing to let your witness be seen by all men? I want my calling and election to be sure, without a doubt. I don't need, if God was to show up, stand before this church and say, Douglas Goff, are you ready to go? I don't have to look to my pastor and say, am I ready? No. I need to be able to answer that question for myself. And say, yes, I've conquered this. I've laid down this. You reign within my life. I've surrendered everything. I give you all of me. It's only you that's important in my life. I'm not trying to blend in with the world. I'm, I'm not trying to achieve to their heights. But God, let my heart be a witness. Let it tell the story of the saints of old that lives within me, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let the witness be found inside of me. Not, oh, I can quote this. I can tell you this author. I can quote this poetry. I can tell you this stock news. I can tell you about this trend. I can tell you about this news article, this political theme. No, we are a witness for his purpose. We have to be able to share what is written upon our hearts, giving the testimony life. So when we hear that great trumpet sound it's not looking around and laughing and saying oh what was that it's no we're gonna be gone in the twinkling of an eye we're gonna be changed oh we're gonna have things shed off of us this earthly body that we thought was so important that we spent our years in our life trying to build giving up the spiritual side but we say no God change my heart oh God and renew a right spirit within me me not away from your promises but show me give me your holy promise give it to me God I must have you just as brother Hilton read this morning you came in with nothing and you're gonna leave with nothing but if you've been baptized in Jesus name and you've been filled with the Holy Ghost you're gonna have a name above all names inscribed upon your life that nothing can take away if you keep your life surrendered to him. If you give your life to him, there is a name. And it's going to be the name of the witness that comes. Jesus looks down upon his people. He needs to see us saying, I'm a witness for his purpose. I'm willing to step up. Put me in, coach. I can do this. I'm willing. I want to be a willing vessel. Can we lift our hands and talk to him tonight? a place to pray this isn't a time to hide just hang your head down god is calling and reaching for somebody you've been pushing this message messages before off to the side and say i'm just here but you need to let god change your life you need to stop playing games god is reaching for you he's giving you a time of grace you need to leverage it let yourself be a witness reach down into your heart and say god i give you all